Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am so excited that you're here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Today, you're listening to episode number 62, and my guest is Janet Reeves. Janet is a mom to four and a wife to Jesse. They live in Austin, Texas, where she volunteers with her church, her kids' school, and with Redeem Ministries, and she's also a dear friend of mine. Today, Janet and I talk about parenting kids in different stages of life, how to help kids deal with rejection, life with a spouse who has gone a lot, and traveling with your kids to different countries. I want to say thank you to one of our sponsors for this show. It's the Burlap Cottage. In our busy world, holidays are as special as you make them, and this includes your home and your most special gifts. A gift of artistry and handmade craftsmanship that lasts a lifetime and bears precious memories is the hallmark of the Burlap Cottage. The finest burlaps, flannels, and plaids with the richness and warmth of Christmas's past with a nod to the current create the perfect custom piece to give and cherish. Tree skirts, pillows, stockings, all personalized for that special keepsake. Visit their site, theburlapcottage.com, and listeners to the Happy Hour podcast are going to get a special code to receive 20% off through today through November 30th. So just use the code HAPPYHOUR at checkout and go to theburlapcottage.com. The Burlap Cottage, artistry that celebrates the special occasions of your life. Now here is my conversation with Janet. Hey, Janet, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so excited to be on the happy hour. I know. And what's funny is when I started this show last year, you were like one of my first people that we were going to have on and it hasn't ever worked out and we live in the same city. I know. That's, it's so ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's so crazy. I've been wanting to have you on for over a year and then we keep playing in it. And then it was funny. Some of your friends, Jenny Jones and Jill Thomas posted on Facebook, like, when's Janet going to be on? And so... Jenny and Jill, this show's for you, really. It really is. And, I mean, they asked for it, and so here we are. You asked for it, and you get it. <laughs> Jenny and Jill, this is your podcast just for you. From uh, Jamie and Janet. Yes, from Jamie and Janet. That's a mouthful right there. Jamie and Janet for Jenny and Jill. Um, in all reality, Janet, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, just to give everyone a little background, you and I, how long have you lived in Austin this time? Okay, I've been back in Austin um, a little over two years. So we met over, a little over two years ago then when you moved back. I think our paths might have crossed one time maybe before you moved to Atlanta. Yes. Um, and then we really met like two years ago and great friend and our families love each other. So, But can, can I share kind of like we met? You can share whatever you want. You're the okay. guest. Go okay, for it. Okay, so we kind of met. Um, when I was headed to Atlanta and you were heading to Austin yeah, and I was a part of the worship team that was going to Atlanta. You were part of the worship team coming to Austin. Okay. Time out. Let's stop real quick. Okay. 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 We need to clarify. I am not a part of any worship team. <laughs> Just so everyone's okay. clear on that. You were supporting the worship team that was coming in. I'm married to the worship pastor. There we go. There we go. And I wasn't really on the worship team ever either, but... But we I were... really appreciate how you put us both on those teams. I think so. I mean, I, I, I think that we were team players in it all. I mean, behind every good man is a great woman. So there you of, go. Of course. But that was such a hard move for me because I was kind of leaving my people here in Austin. I was leaving something that I truly, truly loved and kind of stepping out on faith, going somewhere else. And then you kind of came in to my world and we became friends. Like social media was starting up there. But I remember like you moved into the neighborhood that I had lived in. Your child went to my child's school. 
You became friends with all of my friends and all of my people. You were a leader in my church. And I, that was so hard for me. And Aww. I wanted, like, I, I was loving you from afar and I was supporting you from afar. But I was like, oh, my word. Janet's out. Jamie's in. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God, I got to just release Austin to Jamie. And I'm going to um, take over Atlanta. Um, but coming back here two years ago, like there are certain blessings of friends that God has given me these past two years that I didn't know before. And you have been one of them. Oh, that is so sweet. And I've been so grateful for you embracing me, my family, um, as we came back into, um, Austin and you've been a, like a friendship that's been a blessing to me that I was that I wasn't expecting when I got here. So you were thinking you weren't going to like me. I, th- I thought maybe I might just because you had taken over my friend. <laughs> There's room for both Janet and Jamie in Austin. There is. There is. That's what I'm seeing. And God has put us together, and I'm excited for what he's done in the past two years and what he's going to keep doing. I know. It's so fun. And the reality is um, Janet's husband used to play in a small band. You might have heard of him, Chris Tomlin. And um, when they left Austin, Aaron Ivy and his band came in to fill those shoes. And so it was a little, little yeah. hard transition for me as well. You know, like I, I was worried, are we going to be, we, I put myself on the worship team again. You are, are gonna, you are singing. Are, are we going to be able to, you know, Chris Tomlin's leaving a church and Aaron Ivy's filling in. And so it was a little, it was a little stressful for me as well too. But you know what? I look back and I'm like, the best thing God ever did for Aaron and I is to move us to Austin, not because Austin's amazing because it is, but because our church, we, we yes. love this place so much. And so, yes. and, and I know been, you feel the same way. Beautiful. I do. I do. I, I, I love You started that. this church. I mean, you were, y'all started this and then no. left and came back. We, we were able to start it and then we were able to come back and God has been very gracious in all of it. So, okay. So Janet, you have four kids. I do. Um, like, we have like myself, a lot of, a lot of have, children. Yes, and you're you're a couple of stages ahead of me. So your kids have been back in school for two weeks. You have how old is Kate? What grade is she in? Okay, Kate is a sophomore at um, Dripping Springs High School. Go Tigers! Uh-huh. And and then I have Rachel who is twelve, and she's a seventh grader at Dripping Springs Middle School. And then I have these two precious ones that um, came at the end, um, Austin and Dylan and identical twins, and they're in fourth grade. Okay. So uh, at Rooster Springs. <laughs> Rooster Springs. Let me guess. Go Roosters. Yes, exactly. Okay. How did I know? And your boys and two of my boys are in the same grade, and so they just always have so much playing. But yes. you have now, you have a sophomore daughter, okay? Yes. And so I, I have a daughter coming up. You have one more daughter coming up. Lots of people listening have daughters. How has that been parenting a teenage girl? Oh, my word. Okay, so I, I tend to have this, um, like, I get myself prepared for something that may or may not happen. So I tend to, like, starting this year, I had, like, a lot of anxiety on behalf of my girls, do you carry and that you carry that weight on yourself? I carry it. I carry it and I try not to project it onto my children, but I just about 2 weeks before school started, I was like, okay, I feel like 7th grade and 10th grade there might be some hard times ahead. And, and and my husband's like, don't say that. And I'm like, no, I think I'm preparing myself. So if there is, I've already like prepared myself of what's before us. 
and literally seventh grade started and for some reason they decide to have all of tryouts the first week of school and Rachel wants to try out for volleyball and Jamie, mm-hmm. Rachel does not play volleyball. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to support you. Like, um, we're musicians. We're on stage. We perform. <laughs> we don't hit balls over nets. And Rachel's like, mom, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And, and literally it was a very hard week. Like we were up at six o'clock. She had to be, um, trying out by seven every morning. And here's the deal. We didn't make the volleyball team. Okay. First week of school. So, like, I'm feeling – so the anxiety and the stress that I was feeling, honestly, was right. I mean, like, I was prepared for it. Like, we did not make volleyball team. And literally, all of her friends – and I know that when we say that, all of her friends, they really – you're like, no, there's got to be one person that didn't. But her close friends all made, like, one of the three volleyball teams. Okay. And Rachel did not. And so it was hard. Like, heartache. First week of school. So what do you, how, how do you look at your daughter and like encourage her? Because man, kudos to Rachel for never playing volleyball and be like, Hey, I'm going out for the team. I mean, we already know that your daughter is confident, you know, but that's a lot of confidence yes. right there. So how do you then react to, Hey, way to go for putting yourself out there, but sorry, you didn't make it. I know. So, so here teach we are. Us. What did you do? Okay. Let me, <laughs> let me teach. I'll, I'll put all of my insights. Okay. So I'll, I'll take this a step further. The same week, Kate, my sophomore, has to audition for Romeo and Juliet, the play that she really wants to be in. And she had to audition. She had to the third day of school. And she did not make callbacks for the play. Like, she didn't get asked to come back for a lead role. So then now I've got a child who did not make the volleyball team. And now I have a child that did not make callbacks for the play. And I am like... I mean, I'm a mess. I'm like, I'm a mess. I feel sorry for them. I'm crying. They're crying. My, I mean, my boys, I don't even know the names of their teachers at like the first week of school. Like, I'm like, you're going to have to be on your own. Like, make your own lunch, pack your own bag. We are we have sad. Some, yes. We are, we, we are sad. And, and here's the deal is I, I was praying for them with everything in me, but I also needed like God to bring like a voice, like, a, a voice that had gone before me as well. And you and I both know who we call in Austin is Catherine Garza. Right. And I called my friend Catherine and I was like, Catherine, I need, I need to know what to do. And she said this, this is the word she said. She goes, Janet, I think it's okay to cry with them today. I think it's okay to kind of sit in the sadness of, of what happened. And then tomorrow it's your role to lead them out of that Mm. and let them see life past no callbacks and volleyball team. And I was also in the midst of watching season one Gilmore girls and (laughs) Rory gets her heart broken and mom Lorelai is like, Rory, we need to wallow. Like we need to wallow in this. And Rory's like, no, I don't need to wallow. I don't need to wallow. And the mom's like, no, we need to wallow. Trust me. And the next day, Rory was like, Mom, it's time to wallow. And they went and got, like, big gallons of ice cream, and um, and they sat and they wallowed. Well, Bluebell was not back on the shelves. The oh, my gosh. We, if you don't live in Texas, you don't know about this. I know. Bluebell's huge, y'all, and it was not back on the shelves. And so I went to our gas station down the road and got the giant size, 
like Hershey's cookies and cream bar and the giant size Reese's peanut butter cups. And I brought them home to my daughters on Thursday night. And I'm like, let's just wallow tonight. Let's wallow tonight in our candy bars and let's be sad. And tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up and we're going to go on and we're going to go get breakfast tacos. And we're going to see that it's a new day and life is going to be past volleyball and Romeo and Juliet. And we're going to be okay. Yeah. And literally Friday afternoon, we were past volleyball and Kate did make the play. She didn't get one of like the leading roles, but Mm -hmm. she made the ensemble. So that was like, yay. And we had amazing candy and you know what? We're okay. Yeah. Like we're really okay. And so I think it's important to like, like, like wallow with your kids and your teenage daughters and the disappointment, but it's also our role to lead them out of it and, um, and not stay in the depression and stay in the crime because life has to go on. Yeah. You know, that's really good because I think about like, if I was in your situation, I'm a very like, I'm a very lot, I guess I think I'm a very logical person. So my thought would be like, Listen, Rachel, you're in seventh grade. It's okay if you don't make the volleyball team. You have at least seven more years ahead of you. I mean, four, five, six, you know, six more years ahead of you of all kinds of amazing stuff. It's all right. Pick yourself up. Move on. Uh, Because I seem to think that way, like, oh, it's okay. There's something out. Something better is going to come or something different is going to happen. Maybe not better is the right word, but something different. Um, But that's good to realize, hey, I'm emotional sometimes. Let me just sit with the emotion with my kids. Yes. I think and they back, loved it. Yeah. I think back, I'm like actually teaching soon about um, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And it's one of my favorite stories because yes. he does the same thing with Mary and Martha. <laughs> like they're pissed at him. Like, hey, had you been here, my brother would still be alive because I know that you're Jesus and yes. you're the Messiah. And you have been raising all these people from the dead. And you forgot about my brother, your friend. And Jesus weeps with them, you know, and I look back and I think like, if you took that verse out, Jesus weeps, the the story would just, it would move on the same. Like yes. they're asking him, how do you do this? And then he says, Lazarus, get up. Like you could have taken that out and it would have been the same savior saving Lazarus, bringing him from the dead. But I love that God left that in there because it shows us that emotion doesn't, grief does not equal like weak. You know, yes, it doesn't yes. equal that Jesus wept because he felt that grief with them. And so that's good. No. And I think it was a part of their healing. And, but here's the, here's the deal today. We have another audition for high school musical and, um, and now, you know, who knows what that's going to hold, right? right? There may be disappointment mm-hmm. on coming up this, mm-hmm. the end of the week. I don't know, but I think it's going to be just cause we got over one hump. I think it's going to be like continuing through these years. Well, and what you're doing, it sounds like to me, is that you're setting up a, um, not a cycle, but a, um, something that you know, not a cycle of disappointment, but you're setting up <laughs> that when disappointment hits, that there are new mercies in it. The, the next day still comes. Yes. And we, and we pick, not, we don't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, but we let Jesus pick us up and then we go on, you know? Yes. Like he, he has us. Yeah. And, and like, there's, that's there's, I mean, we can be sad and we can be disappointed, but at the same time, it cannot be the end of our world. Yeah. Do you think that when you look back on your teenage years, do you think you kind of dwelt more in the end of the world or do you think that you were able to, um, sit in that grief for a moment and then move on? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was the end 
of okay. the I'm just, I was just, as you're telling me the story about your girls and stuff I'm, and how you carry a lot of anxiety for them, I was wondering what that looked like for you in your teenage years. Yes. And I think my parents, I think, I think they didn't necessarily wallow with me and I kind of needed them to be sad with me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that's a role that I'm really thankful that I was able to lean into two weeks ago. And I can see that maybe my sympathy is going to help me wallow with my children. I think my parents were more on the get over it, mm-hmm. pull yourself up. Mm-hmm. And so, so I do think they didn't allow me to just sit in it. But in my mind, I didn't think past those moments. Like sixth grade, seventh grade, I didn't see eighth grade. I didn't see ninth grade. Right. I didn't see my marriage down the road. Mm-hmm. I didn't see myself as a mom. I just saw, oh, my word. I didn't get the part. Oh my word! I was not picked in kickball. Yeah, or I <laughs> oh, got my, my heart broken, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yes, or oh my word, he didn't ask me out. Mm-hmm. Like I think in those moments, but I do think my parents helped me like get over it. But I do think that I wish somebody had wallowed with me. You know, that's a good encouragement for me too, because I would tend to just be like, guys, let's move on. This is kind of dumb that we're crying over this. But if it, if I look back, like you just said, when I was, you know. 12, 13, 14, you don't have the ability to look forward to even two years down the road. I mean, we're just, our brains, they're not formed. We don't, you really can't even ask a child to do that. And yet I would tend to do that. So that's great. Thank you, Janet. Yes. There we go. I'm going to wallow with my kids and then we're going to wake up the next day and we're going to thank God for a new day. Yes. I love that. Okay. Now, one thing I know about you that I want to chat about is that for the, and you can tell me how long this happened for years, you were basically single parenting. Yes. Cause your husband traveled so often yes. as in, and I lived this road as well for a handful of years. You did it for a long time. Um, where Aaron would have been gone for like 250 days a year. You lived that road as well. Yes. For a very long, a time. very long time. Probably most about, of your marriage. Yeah. I would say 15 Almost 16 years of our marriage, that's how we lived. <laughs> and Jesse would be gone how often? Well, I think there were some years um, when we added up the total, there, it was about 250 days a year. And he was would be like a tour, so he might be gone for three months straight. Is that how it worked? Yes, as probably, I think 21, 24 days was probably the most he was gone at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as they all got older and my voice became louder and louder, they would be gone maybe up to 10 to 15 days. At and a then time. come home for a bit. And then come home for like a couple of days and then be gone again. Yeah. So I understand this because I remember when Aaron would travel a lot and then his was a little different because he would travel for like four days, home three days. That was our little routine. And so when he was home the three days, he would do something. I'd be like, you know, that's really not how we do things around here. <laughs> like, I'm so glad you're home today, but we don't do that. Yeah, exactly. And so it was always an adjustment. It's like we were constantly adjusting to dad's gone, dad's home. And my kids were babies. So it was really just me adjusting. We haven't done that like you have with older kids. How has that been now two years later where your husband is home all the time? Well, <laughs> we're still married two years right. later. So that, that's a win. Um, and I think it, be, it, was such a, it was such a juggle. I mean, literally a juggling act for those 15 years where I've talked to some people and they're like, I prefer 
the one month on two weeks off kind of thing or the 10 days on and the three days off. Like they prefer those schedules. And there were seasons that I was like, oh my word, I don't know if I just prefer them gone all the time or home all the time. Like, cause it was such a juggling act and, um, coming off the road two years ago, that was something that we were both like, oh no, what's about to happen? Because we're both about to be in the same space at the same time. And I have pretty much set up the way my house runs, not him. Uh-huh. And I, I could see it. I see two things. One is I saw a lot of things about him that I don't think, I, I think I knew, but I never had to surrender to. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. Like what? I, um, Without Jesse. throwing Jesse under the bus or anything. Oh, I but. am. He is so used to me throwing him under the bus. So we're okay. <laughs> but one of the things, like he is, he is right all the time. And he's funny because he's not, he, he does not have to prove it. Like I have a voice. So like if I want something, like I feel like I have to prove it. So I get louder and louder and louder to prove my point. And he just gets like more silent, more silent, more silent because his point is right. And there's no need to prove it. And so in this house, like I've just noticed like, wait, where I made all these decisions. And even if the, even if it wasn't logical, even if our schedule was like not logical or I was here, I was there, I did this, I did that. Like it was my life. But now he can see it and he was like, okay, this is like the way you're doing things is not the most efficient way that we could be doing this. And I'm uh-huh. like, okay, life is not all about efficiency. <laughs> or he'll say, you know, this is not the most logical thing. I'm like, there is nothing about life that is logical. So like, y'all are having to work together. We are having to work together. But this is what he has to constantly remind me is for years. I, I, when it goes back to when I said, you know, uh, supporting the worship team, you supporting the worship team, like, like I did see myself a part of that, but I was more of the support. Like mm-hmm. I'm watching Jesse do things or I'm side of stage or I'm on a bus taking care of children or I'm at home while he's in Tokyo. You know, that right. was kind of my support. But my prayer had been for God to kind of join us as a ministry um, for years. And so when he came off the road, being here in Austin, God really opened up doors for Jesse and I to kind of be a team together um, at our church, at um, around the world as we traveled places with our children. Like we kind of saw God bringing like kind of Reeves party of six as a ministry. And in those moments of frustration, when I'm like, not everything's logical, please step out of my great room or out of my kitchen or do it my way. Jesse constantly reminds me, Hey, you prayed that God would bring (laughs) us together and that we could do ministry together. And so I have to be constantly reminded of that when my frustration comes that, Oh, but at the same time, it has not been like we both have been so surprised how easy it has been to be That's quite great. honest. I mean, that, it really is surprised because we're both very, very strong people in our own ways. Mm-hmm. And for us to be in the home at the same time, going for the same thing, raising the same children. Right. It actually has been better than we both thought, which makes me 
believe that it was the time in which it was time for us to be That's together. That's so wonderful. So I have a question. I was just thinking about this. Um, I will admit that I've struggled with this at some time. So that gives oh. you the opportunity to admit if you have or okay. not. Okay. Um, did you ever struggle in all those years of all the cool stuff that Jesse got to do? Oh my dear. Yes. Yeah. Like all the time. In fact, it was, it was like, I wanted and how to. How was that on your marriage? That's my second question. Oh, there were many times I was like, don't even call me. Like, don't even call me. You're in like the coolest place in the world. Don't call me. I can't talk to you. Like, it will not be good for my heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and there were, I mean, because with his, with his job came great perks. Mm-hmm. There, there came accolades. There came award ceremonies. There, there, you know, he got to go to really cool places. He got award to- ceremonies like what? Like we're not talking um, like Southern Baptist Convention. Awards. Oh no, we're talking, we're talking like Grammys. Grammys, yeah. Now I will say this: I did get to go to every Grammy award that the, he did get to go to. So that's so fun. I was very. I, I can't complain about that. That I okay, did. Okay, let's stop part. right here. Okay, stop right here. Coolest thing you saw at the Grammys. <gasps> Oh my goodness. The coolest thing I saw. Cause I'll never be at the ground. I mean, that's just like, what's the coolest thing you ever saw there? Okay. Well, first of all, you have to understand we were, um, we were the awards before the Grammys. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're the ones we never see. <laughs> like whatever everybody sees on TV, like, okay, this is not cool, but here's the reality. You want to know the reality? Uh huh. So, so we have to get there for like at two o'clock in the afternoon for the ballroom. Okay. And the Christian Music Awards are usually always right after the Latino Music Awards. Okay. okay? And so, so you kind of just, you get to mingle, you get to look for people that are in the ballroom, which I'll be honest, I mean, like, I think we saw Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, like, like nobody, like, you're like, okay, these are people that maybe are not. Like you're not running into Beyonce. Oh, no. Beyonce's nowhere near where we are. Um, But Carrie Underwood, she did um, come to the ballroom and receive her award, which I thought was really nice to come with the common people to um, receive her. Because she did not have to do that. She did not have to do that. And I was like, I I appreciate that, Carrie, to come to where we are. So Um, do they do it the same as they do, like, the awards that we see on TV where you're all sitting there and then they're like, here are the nominees. And the winner is? Yes, but but you're in a ballroom. Uh-huh. And it's very long because there's like hundreds of them. Okay. You only see like 10 awards. Are they feeding you or are you just sitting oh, in chairs? No, you, okay. So here, here's the reality of it. You get nothing. So you do, like at the first year, we never even found the red carpet. But the second year, we're like, we're finding the daggum red carpet this year because like, I mean, we, but you know, Chris walked on the real red carpet. We just kind of walked behind the wall, but we were on the red carpet and we took Okay. But no, you don't get fed. You walk in, you sit down, and you're just you just kind of go through. You listen and listen from every kind of award known to man, you know. And then a music award, and then you get real excited for the Christian Music Awards, and you're either excited or you're disappointed because you didn't win. And then afterwards, here here's the reality of it. Afterwards, even if you won, like the year that they won, like best album, okay, uh-huh. we all had to leave the ballroom. Like through, like, like through LA. Okay. Like you're going like through, um, like the, the, where everybody else is walking into. You're leaving. We're leaving. And we walk into the, um, oh my word, I forgot the name of the actual, um, arena. Okay. I'll think of it in a minute, but you go in there and we have to stand in line to get our popcorn 
and our hot dogs. <laughs> and you just won a Grammy. <laughs> and we, I'm like, wait, they just won. Like they were just interviewed and they took a picture. And now we're all in line with a, with popcorn and a Diet Coke and a hot dog because in your nice dress in our nice dress because we're starving and we've been there since two. And it's really, really comical. Okay. And then do you go to the big awards? Yes. And you sit in, I mean, like we had to find, we had to buy our tickets. Our record company was amazing. They always provided a ticket for us. Okay. But like, but we all didn't get to sit together. Like somebody's over there. Somebody's (laughs) over there. I did get to sit by Jesse and we're like up in the nosebleed. Just so you know. Okay. This is hilarious. So it's eating our popcorn. Eating our hot dogs in our nice dress. And then, but here's the coolest thing that happened. Are you ready? Yeah. So afterwards, then you sit there for four hours and watch a really great show. I mean, it's uh-huh. fun to see the performances. It's fun, but I promise you can see them better on the TV than we could. I'm but, sure. But then we leave and we're starving. Like, we're starving because all we had was popcorn. Popcorn and Diet Coke. Diet Coke. And we've been there since now, two o'clock, maybe earlier. And, and then... Depending on your record label, you're invited to like an after party. But we've learned that the food is kind of hors d'oeuvres and you're going to starve again. I guess that's why they're all skinny. And, <laughs> and so we, so we went by In-N-Out Burger. Okay. And we all get out. We all go in for In-N-Out Burger and Adele is sitting in her car. It was the year that she won like the best everything. New, no, it, it was the year she won the best new gotcha. artist, uh-huh. artist or whatever. And so we didn't know who she, like we had just learned who she was. She did perform. She was amazing, but she was just now coming on the music scene and she's sitting there in her car um, and she rolls down the window and she literally has the In-N-Out burger like in her hand and she looks at all of us. She's like, this is the most amazing burger I've ever had in my life. Oh my gosh. We're like, it is so good. And we go in and we order in and out in our nice outfits before we go to the after party because we know at the after party we're not going to eat. Right, to eat. And so, okay, so that was the cool moment, seeing Adele sitting in her car eating an In-N-Out burger. That's amazing. There's the reality. Of, That's the reality of the Grammys. Yeah. For so the Christian music scene. Yes, there it is. But yes, I, and going back to the question, Yes. Yes. It, yes. Jesse has been some amazing places when I'm literally at home feeding dogs and mm-hmm. making mac and cheese. And or, babe, yeah. 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 You know, or, or apple slices and carrots with ranch dressing because I can't cook. Like, yes. I'm so worn out. Me neither. Right. And I mean, in, the, in those days, I mean, you're like, what in the world? Please. Which, here's the deal, Jamie. I'm really glad that it was not just a... And I have to say this very lightly because I understand that you can be a light in a secular world. I get that. Mm -hmm. But I'm really grateful that when Jesse wasn't here, he was with amazing Christian guys. And he was leading beautiful songs for the church all over the world. And and when I sat in that, I was really like, okay, I'm going to give you an apple slice and Mm -hmm. my dogs. Yeah. I mean, for me in those times... I had some hard times as well, just feeling like, wow, you know, Aaron would come come home and be like, man, we were at the worst hotel ever. And I'd be like, well, actually I was here with babies, like throwing up, like, I don't know what's worse, you know? Um, but in those, I think God really grew me a lot, um, and made me really love my role as a mom because sometimes I struggled a lot in the early years of motherhood is feeling like, is this all that I have in this world is to be a mom? And I say that like, 
I know that motherhood is such a great calling and I am so thankful for it. But just in all honesty, I struggled with feeling like all I do is change diapers and feed babies, you know, oh, I, um, I am, but I think that God used so that for, to really grow me. Me too. Know? And I think he just kept giving me more kids to go, well, you didn't embrace it with number one. So now I'm going to give you number two. Oh, and then mm, you've done a little better with number two, but now I'm going to give you two at the same time. And, and we'll see how point, this works. Yeah. And then at this point I was like, okay, I think I'm just going to embrace motherhood oh. and we're going to have, we're going to watch fun movies. We're going to have smoothie movie night. We're going to have dance parties and we're just going to, this is, this is going to be my life. And yeah. when I surrendered to that as well, it, I was a lot better mom and a lot better wife. And I, think I me too. And I handled Jesse sitting and catering around the world a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey guys, if you're not familiar with Noonday, you totally should be. Noonday is a business that uses fashion to create opportunities across the globe. They work with artisans in Uganda, India, Vietnam, and beyond to design and create the most beautiful handmade jewelry. I want to tell you the opportunity to earn an income and make an impact as a Noonday ambassador. Noonday Ambassadors are stylists, storytellers, and social entrepreneurs who make an impact in their communities and around the world. You can style your friends and create meaningful opportunity for artisans across the globe. My Noonday Ambassador is Krista, and she is just the best. I host a trunk show with her every season, and I love having her style me and my friends and tell us the stories behind each collection. Together, we're empowering families around the world. Noonday has an exclusive offer for Happy Hour listeners who sign up to become a Noonday Ambassador. Visit thehappyhour.noondaycollection.com for all the details. Now here's my conversation continuing with Janet. Um, speaking of kids and yes. traveling and all kinds of stuff, in the past two years that I've known you, you have taken your entire family <laughs> to different countries. Yes, we is have. Is this a value for you guys? What does this look like for y'all? Okay, it's a high value for us. And I think that the opportunities that we had as a family, um, as a part of being a part of Chris's ministry and a part of Passion, um, Passion Conference ministry, is our eyes were open to the church around the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we say that once we've been open to something, it's hard to close your eyes to it. And, and that could be good or bad. And for us, seeing the church alive around the world has been good for us. And, but it's also something that leaving two significant parts of our life, leaving Chris, Chris Tomlin and leaving passion conferences, you know, kind of for the most part of kind of stepping away from mm -hmm. that, it, we were like, God, we don't want to lose what has been, what we've seen mm -hmm. and what we've, um, been a part of around the world. And, but we're trying, but now it's time to kind of bring our family into it and literally be careful what you pray for because, um, Mexico, Chapa's Mexico opened within months of us starting to pray that prayer of like, God, send our family somewhere. Um, as like family, as Reeves party of six going on a mission outside the United States. Yeah. And, and not to put more value on anything outside the United States. Like we, we are all about being a mission in our city and being missional in our neighborhood and all of that. But we really wanted to continue seeing the church alive. And he opened our eyes to Chapas, Mexico. And it was through an orphanage called Casa Canaan that we went down there and got to love on some precious kids, hear some amazing stories. 
But it was the night we walked out of Chiapas, Mexico and across this illegal border. I don't know who's listening to this, but it was an illegal border. I'm not going to tell you where. Actually, I have no idea where. But we walked into Guatemala. And, the, I mean, sun was down. There was absolutely no electricity in this particular village. We walked down the street. With all your kids. With all my kids. And I'm okay. like, who's holding a child? Somebody grab, right. grab a child, grab hands, everybody. And we had people with us. Like, they knew where they were going, but we did not know where we were going. And we walked into this little home, and they had, like, a battery-powered light, okay, that they kind of turned on for us. And we all went into this room, and this man began telling us his story. And he felt called to be a pastor in this village because it was a place where people came from all over the world to get through that border. So they went to this little village in Guatemala. They could get through the border of Mexico. And their ultimate goal was to get to the United States. Mm-hmm. And this was this place. God did, I mean, like we landed there as a family. I'm like, wait, we came to help the orphanage. What are we doing right now? And we all were sitting in these chairs and we were being interpreted. Like we didn't know what he was saying, but we had an interpreter with us. And, and he felt like this man just felt like I had the opportunity to share Jesus with people all over the world Mm. right here in this little village where there is no electricity, where we make our tortillas on a coal oven and I have plastic chairs and I give all these people coming through. Guatemala, I give them a meal and I tell them about Jesus. Mm. And we sat in there and we sang How Great Is Our God in Spanish. Mm. And and I'll tell you, it was in that moment, I'm like, God, I prayed for this. I prayed that you, as a family, you would just kind of take us to the ends of the world, but to see your church alive. And Jamie, mm. like my kids, we were all like, like we couldn't even sing. Like it was one of the most beautiful moments that we experienced as a family. But it was also in that moment because we had taken some big steps out of some things that we felt called out of. God was like, I got you. I got you. I know your heartbeat. I know what you value and I love what you value and I've got you. You don't have to, you don't have to necessarily even join an organization to go see my church around the world. You don't have to, you know, have to sign up for a big conference to see my name around the world. All you have to do is take a step as a family and I'm going to show up huge. And that's really encouraging to any parents that are listening, just because we feel like a lot of parents struggle with, man, how do I get my kids involved with this, with my mission? And how do I do this? And how do I show my kids the world? And I always say, and you know, we haven't taken all of our kids around the world, but we've taken some with us. And we just say, what your, what your mission is, is what your kid's mission is. I mean, exactly. God is not going to give you a vision for your family and leave your children out. Yes. You are, you are a unit, you know? And so when God gives a vision to the Ivy family or to the Reeves family or whoever is listening, when God gives your family a vision, it includes everybody. It includes and you are walking out in that. Yeah. And I think, and I'm going to go one step further. I think he also can like listen to your children, like listen to your children and when, and where their heartbeat is, mm. you oh, know, so because, many stories I've heard of parents who were moved yes. by the prayers of their like teenagers, you know, praying yes. for God to move their hearts towards adoption or move their hearts towards a country. Yeah, I know. And we, so again, here we are, we took the step. So now Uganda came available to go like, last year as a family, not necessarily with 
a certain organization. It wasn't like a family mission trip. It was like Reeves Party of Six is going to Uganda. Um, Jesse was going to preach at a night of worship there. And we were like, we're going to take the kids along. Like, we're going to take them along. And, and to see God just kind of rise up through them as they played with kids, as they talked to adults, as they prayed over churches. Like my girls were given a microphone at one of the churches we went to and they were like, Kate and Rachel, would you pray over us tonight? And there's like, there were probably 5,000 people in that room. And I'm like, oh dear, they're not going to do it. Like they're going to pass the microphone and both of them to go, yeah, I'll pray over this room and for these people. And I was like, okay, God, that my faith was just increased Mm -hmm. by what you just did in my children. And, um, and so it's, like, be careful what you pray for, but also, man, just surrender to it because it's pretty amazing to serve the Lord as a family, you know? Yeah, I love that so, so, so much. And it's encouraging to me, too, as a mom of four, that it can happen, you know, that you can do that. Because, I mean, we sometimes feel as moms that our mission ends when we become moms, and that is just a lie. That or you're never going to get to go anywhere. You're never going to get to do true. anything. You only see all these amazing things on social media, and you're like, I'm on my eighth load of laundry today. Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. don't look at social media. Uh-huh. Believe God. And and if you want if you pray for something for him to lead your family to get ready because yeah. he will. <laughs> so wonderful. Oh, okay. Janet, I always ask my guests the three things they're loving and what they're reading. So it is your turn now. What three things are you loving? Okay. So I'm a little obsessed with hummingbirds. Um, yeah, I didn't know this about you. <laughs> okay. So there's, a, so, and I'm not a nature person. Okay. Like not at all. I'm not an animal person. I'm not a nature person. I'm not even one to like, like really stop and smell the roses. But uh-huh. I think I, I've, one of the things I've kind of made myself do over the years is kind of like sit in the nature because that's something my husband really loves. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit on the front porch. I'm going to rock. I'm going to, I'm going to sit on the back porch. I'm going to enjoy. You're like, if we're like, going to be together so yeah, much, yeah. I might as well like what you like. I know. I needed help preparing a lesson one time and just like, it's like, Jesse, I need your, I need your voice. I need your theology. I need you. To, I need your ear. Like I need you to listen to me while I preach to you. And I ended up on a river. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't really where I learned, but I'm like, okay, if I get you on a river with a fishing pole, then that's, I get you. Yeah. And so, but hummingbirds. So, um, a couple of years ago there was, I just became obsessed with them. And the thing about the hummingbird is they're actually, the hummingbird's heart beats the slowest of any bird, but that's why its wings have to go so fast. Because if they just counted on their heartbeat to keep them eating and alive and flying, it would never happen. So their wings have to make up for the heartbeat. And as I was like learning about hummingbirds and studying hummingbirds, and I'm sure there's people out there that know way more about them than I do, but this particular thing spoke to me because, Jamie, my husband's heartbeat beats so slow. Like, like, I mean, like, like almost like, is he alive? Like I've asked him so many times. Like like, you, like in reality? In reality. Like every time, like I measure his heartbeat, my heartbeat, like mine is like, his is half the speed of mine. No matter if we have just been like, if he's run a marathon, Uh like it's beat so slow. And so I feel like he's like the heartbeat of the hummingbird and I'm like the wings. I totally can see that. Can you see it? Can you see it? Like my, my wings are just constantly going to keep Uh us afloat. I'm like, if your heartbeat, like nothing will ever happen. Like you can't just 
go around with a slow heartbeat. Like your wings have to go. And he laughed so hard at me. But I, but it was in that moment, I'm like, I'm obsessed with hummingbirds. So I have a plant in my front yard that gathers little hummingbirds. They have names. I don't have tons of them. Um, so I kind of know which one is which. I have one that, um, suit and tie, so I'll call him Justin Timberlake. Oh, JT. Uh-huh. And, yeah, JT, and he's so cute. He's in the front. And then I have, like, one, just a little straggler that comes to my back feeder. And so the rule is if a hummingbird is spotted, you're supposed to tell me, and I'm supposed to come see it. And so, like, I'm kind of obsessed with hummingbirds. Okay, so hummingbirds, number one favorite thing. I love it. I know. Isn't that funny? It's my first animal to be said as a favorite thing. So you are ahead of the game here. And I know I've already mentioned, I referenced this earlier, but, and I'm just now on the boat of the Gilmore Girls, but I am loving Gilmore Girls, but I realize why I missed it. I had four children in the span of their six, seven seasons. I mean, that's exactly when Jen was on my show a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Gilmore Girls and she oh. said, well, when Gilmore Girls came out, I was parenting. Yeah. I was like, had babies. I had babies. And so I missed all of it. Mm-hmm. And so now I am watching it in, and so it's kind of like my go-to, it's my escape from, from, you know, my reality. It's, it's my escape from not making volleyball tryouts or escape from whatever. And I'm obsessed with Gilmore Girls and, um, I love it. I love it. And I think the last thing that I'm really loving, and I probably struggle with this cause I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I should love it this much, but I truly loving my house. Like, and I showed you a picture of like just where I'm at right now earlier. And I could uh-huh. have my Henry Bindle candles, which, okay, that's another thing I'm kind of obsessed with is Henry Bindle candles. Go order them. Get I've never paper. heard of them. Okay. Henry Bindle candles. They're, it's Henry Bindle. Um, just Google it. And then the candles will come up. And right now I have Bo- um, Boho Beach on my counter and it's amazing. Okay. But I love my home. I've, I'm really grateful for it. We host a lot of people in our home. So um, it's the doors are kind of, we, we laugh that it's kind of a revolving door mm-hmm. and, but I really, really, um, am a little obsessed with my home and, um, but I don't, to make you feel better, I don't okay. think that you're obsessed with like, Oh, everybody come look at my house. Oh no. You love, like you said, I love my home. And I so just, it's not uh, like I love my house. You love your, you love your space. I love my space. It's, it's like just calming to yeah. me and I need calm spaces cause I'm not a calm person at all. Like I'm the wings of the hummingbird. So I'm right. not calm, but I have just some places in my home that I create to keep me calm. And I have places where I study my Bible. I have places where I do Bible study. I have places like my kitchen. I, I just, I really am like grateful for a place that I can work out of. Yeah. I mean, some people like to go to coffee shops. I really love to put all my kids on a bus and work from my little round table that was Jesse's great grandmother's right here in my great room and um, with my red chairs. <laughs> uh, well, I sent you a picture before we started chatting of my workspace. Yeah, it was a little different from mine today. <laughs> a little different. We have had guests in our home all weekend. And so what that means is that to keep the place where everyone hangs yes. clean, just every like piece where you don't like, I can't deal with this right now, yes. it just goes on my desk. And so then when it comes, today is Tuesday after Labor Day, so everyone's, I'm back to work now. And then I'm like, wow, how do I work here? I know. So I just cleaned it all off. But yeah, I love that you love your home. Okay, I do. what what are you reading right now? Okay, well, here's the deal. I, I There's not a book open next to my nightstand table right now. I ha, I actually do a lot of my reading during the summer. Me too. I, uh, I do. And so, but the 
couple of books that I've read over the summer, kind of starting the end of spring. Um, one, I, I read Willie Nelson's. Um, uh-huh. It's a long story, which I think, did you read it? No, but I gave it to it Aaron for, as a it, gift. Yes. It's, I'm, it's a great, it's a great book. Like I learned a lot about Willie Nelson and um, I'm usually like, I become a really big fan after I read people's books. Like I love real stories. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that I became this huge Willie Nelson fan, but I actually appreciate how much hard work he put into where he is today. Yeah. And just so you know, Dripping Springs, Texas is what put him on the map. Really? Yes. Yes. I know that. To the family picnic. His first family picnic was in Dripping Springs and bam, it put him on the map with people and music and fans and it really is what has brought his um, his popularity and his music to where it is. I have actually heard several people say that listening to that book was even better. Oh, did he, he did re- he read it? He reads it, yes. Now that would have been that would have been really great. Maybe yeah. I maybe I should do that next mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, and then here's the deal. I'm a little obsessed with Navy SEALs. So I like can I read as many Navy SEAL books as I can. Like I am at all the premieres, like late at night <laughs> without Jesse. He doesn't even always go. He's like, go to the premiere of, you know, where whatever you need to see. Lone Survivor, I was there. Um, and um, and I'm a little obsessed, but I read one this year called No Hero. And nice. um, and it basically was like all of these lessons that the Navy SEAL officer had learned by being a Navy SEAL. Mm. And the first lesson that like, that was like the first kind of, uh, the first couple of chapters, it was about three foot world lesson. And Jamie, this speaks to me so much. One, because I'm trying to, you know, think way past my three foot world and then there's anxiety and there's stress and then there's like so much I can't control. Yeah. And this whole thing was like, what can you control in your three foot world? And so I learned that lesson this year. I can't say I've perfected it, but it's But you're learning. But I'm learning. And so, and there was something like, I could go on and on, but like every chapter had like this amazing, like, this is what I learned. Like after this mission, this is what we do. Or during this mission, this is what I learned. And like, I took it like to everyday world. I'm like, I will never be a Navy SEAL, but I'm going to learn from them. Which is what they want you to do by writing books. I know. And so I'm, I'm, I'm their fan. I'm like their biggest fan. So if anybody has any suggestions, I probably have read them, but maybe I haven't. So send them, send them my way because it's what um, I love to do. I would have never guessed that about you as knowing you. I know. I know. See, hummingbirds and Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. Who knew? I know. I know. These are things that I probably need to be a little bit more open about, but at okay. the time, it's really hard to explain. Well, great. Well, yeah. you know what? I read a book that you might like then. Okay, what'd you read? It's not about Navy SEALs, so maybe not even, but <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Tank Man's Son. Okay. And I just read it this past month, and it's a memoir. Do you like memoirs? I love memoirs. Me too. And this might not, this memoir might not have appealed to me, but did you read, um, oh gracious, Glass Castle? Oh, I loved Glass Castle. Okay, I did too. I love that book so much. And this is kind of like a man okay. version of that. Okay. So it's it's Mark Bowman, I believe is his name. And he recounts his childhood, which was just like crazy. And he had a, a crazy father who would like tear him down with his words and his hands. I mean, it was just this crazy yes. 
um, childhood, and then you know he, he ends up being a missionary. But uh, you might like it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it because I love memoirs. Those are my favorite. The Mine last too. memoir I read was Where the Wind Leads. Oh, I don't know that. Oh my goodness, it's about um, I can't really pronounce his name, of course, but I called him Vince Young, but that's not his name. It's V I N H. Chung. Okay. <laughs> but when I was reading it, I just called him Vince Young because I couldn't pronounce it correctly. Vince Young. <laughs> and, but it's, it's his memoir of coming out of Vietnam. Um, his family. Oh, someone were, just told me about this the other day. Yes. His family were refugees. Yes. And yes. so in light of all the stuff that's going on mm-hmm. right now, y'all, this is an amazing book to read. And one, because it's a beautiful story of, of this man and his family's um, of their, just kind of their rescue, but it's also amazing because a man felt in his heart that he needed to do something for the boat people basically. Uh-huh. And like, he felt like God gave him, like you get out there and you do this. And he was kind of crazy for doing it. He was like, people were like, you don't know what you're doing. You know, nothing about the seas, you know, nothing about, but because he acted on what God asked him to do, like, this guy's family was rescued. And that's so amazing. It's, it's amazing. And so in the midst of everything that's going on right now, I, I, I think it's a win. So okay, well, I am going to add that to my read yeah. list. Where I'm going to skip wait. on the Navy SEAL books. Okay, that's fine. You just pass them along to me. I'm going to pass them along to you, but I'm <laughs> going to jump on this where the wind leads. There you go. Yay. Yay, Janet. Thank you for coming on my show finally. My word, I was so nervous and it's been so good. Yay. Like, so easy. Everyone says that. Like, I'm so nervous. But it was so easy. It's like you're just chatting. You don't realize how many, that people are actually listening. I know. I'm excited. I, I really am. Well, thank you so much. And um, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Oh, I love you, Jamie. And I'm, again, I'm so grateful for our friendship here in Austin. Like, it means the world to me. And, and I know that I tell you that, but I'm just saying it out loud again and again. And I'm Thanks, really Janet. grateful. And I'm honored to be on here with you. We didn't even chat about what we do together. No, not at all, y'all. And it's so it's so amazing. Yeah, we'll have, you'll have to come back on again, and we'll chat about what we do here together. Yes. Give them like a thirty second spiel of what we do together. So Jamie and I have a heartbeat for um, what's going on here in Austin for rescuing um, the trafficking victims, and we have partnered with an amazing organization called Redeemed, and we put on a fundraiser. Um, this in February it'll be our second fundraiser called Keep Austin Free, a play on words for Keep Austin Weird. But it's basically not only raising money for um, Redeem Ministries and and what they're doing here in Austin, but it's also being a voice for the um, the trafficked victims um, here in Austin and all over the world, and letting people know what's happening but also giving them hope um, um, of what's happening and um, inviting them to be a part of something greater um, here in our city. And this year, Keep Austin Free will be in February, and we'll be raising money specifically for an emergency shelter. So as soon as these girls are rescued off, off streets and homes and brothels, they have a place to go to to be assessed to figure out what their next steps are. So perfect. Keep yes. Austin free 2016 coming. Keep Austin free. So if you live in Austin and you want to join us, just contact me or yes. Janet or somebody. We'd love to have you there. And if you want to um, 
donate. donate anything or give us any money. That was a plug right there. We'd love to have it. We need it. We so need it. For these, for these beautiful women. Okay, Janet, enjoy your day. Enjoy your home. And um, okay. I will have you on again, and we'll talk more about Keep Austin Free, for real. Okay, great. Perfect. Okay, have a great day. Guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Janet as much as I listened to. You can just hear her life and passion in her voice, and I had the best time talking with her and listening to her wisdom. I want to say thank you also to the sponsor of The Happy Hour, She Does Justice. She Does Justice is a lifestyle brand that empowers women to make a difference. It started as an adoption fundraiser and grew into a community that is passionate about giving back. Each month, 10% of She Does Justice's gross sales go towards five different initiatives, supporting adoption, empowering young women, healthcare in Africa, orphan prevention, and fighting sex trafficking. The best part about this is that you get to choose where the portion of your purchase goes. You are empowered to make a difference right from your computer. We're excited to offer all Happy Hour listeners free shipping with the promo code Happy Hour and hope that you'll join them in making a difference today. The shop is full of stylish and affordable tees and accessories. Happy holiday shopping. I personally have a shirt from She Does Justice and love it. Guys, as usual, any books that we talked about on the Happy Hour, you can find at jamieivy.com slash happyhourbooks. Some of you are going to be looking for gifts. Just go there and check out the books we've listed. Or you're going to be looking for books to be reading over the holidays. That's a great place. Remember, everything that we chat about is going to be up on my website, jamieivy.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Find me over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at jamie underscore ivy. Instagram, I'm jamie ivy. Facebook, jamie ivy. Share with me something you love from this episode or an encouragement that you have for Janet or a guest you want to hear. I just love hearing from you guys. I want to send a special thanks out to Knox McCoy, who has been editing my show since number 50. Thank you, Knox. Thank you, Knox. Thank you, Knox. Check out his show with Jamie Golden called The Podcast. They're going to crack you up and educate you on pop culture all the same time. Their latest episode that I just listened to was over movie quotes, and it was so fun and entertaining, and I just loved it, except they left out my favorite line, because that line is, nobody puts baby in a corner. Anyhow, check out the podcast. Guys, next week is the show that I have been waiting for forever. It's the show that I'm so excited about. It is the Christmas special, my own Christmas special. I like saying that. Jen Hatmaker joins me, and we talk about all things Christmas, gifts, traditions, Um, We talk about 21 different organizations that we think are places that you could put your money towards this this Christmas season. And not only are you going to get a great gift, but you're going to make a difference in people's lives. So we are both big fans of putting our money towards small businesses, women-owned businesses, businesses that are, you know, the stuff is ethically created and made, businesses where they have a give-back model. Huge fans of all that. You don't want to miss it next week. Tell your friends. Guys, thank you for joining me on this happy hour. Share the show with a girlfriend and then go have a happy hour with a girlfriend. I will see you guys next week with a Christmas special.